Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. All right, we are back with part two of our 2019 Premier League Transfer Window Review show. Obviously, last time did Arsenal through Liverpool. Today, we'll be starting with Manchester City, but before we get into that, of course, I have to introduce the lovely Dave Hendrick. You can find on Twitter at DaveHendrick underscore sometimes if he lets you. Uh, but also you can hear him over at Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro, which has loads of great shows. I'm sure Dave will bring it up later. But Dave, welcome back on. Uh, we're just going to dive back into it. I'll lead off with Manchester City. It was kind of a quiet window for them. But it also resulted in the purchase of two or potentially three starting players. Or like we mentioned in the last show... Three players that can just come off the bench and be world-class anyway. Uh, The biggest one for me, though, has to be the purchase of Rodri. Uh, He filled their biggest need, which was a replacement for an aging Fernandinho. And as we all know, last year, City dropped the majority of their points when Fernandinho was out. So having somebody that can come in and fill in there and maybe even just supplant him um, is fantastic signing for City. Um, The Danilo Cancelo swap will never make sense to me. I, I don't know why Juventus were fine taking the older worse player um obviously can tell is a bit more versatile can play left back and right back but city also dealt with that this year um bringing back angelino with their buyback clause from psv where he was very good last season just really really boring good business from manchester city that i think entrenches themselves again as title favorites you did mention at the end of the last show the laporte injury could really hurt them because company obviously moved back to belgium Odomendi, who looked like he was being phased out, will probably play a significant role now um, alongside John Stone. So that is now the weakness. When I wrote this uh, initially, I was thinking, you know, there's no holes left in this City team. But that is where it would be if Laporte's injury is, is anywhere near as serious as it looked at the time. I've given them an A. I, you know, like I said, boring but effective. Filled their two biggest needs in a reliable right back and then a full Fernandinho replacement in the midfield. And then just getting depth at left back from within their own academy that they're just getting back um, with their buyback that they had in that deal with PSV. Just very tidy, boring business for Manchester City. Yeah, I mean, I'm not overly keen on Joe Canseo. I think he's good going forward, but inconsistent, which is why Juve were happy to see him go. He can't defend to save his life, but... I mean, neither can Kyle Walker or Mendy, so, you know, why change <laughs> what City have? Rodri is, is the highlight of this, and he's a tremendous signing. Um, as it turns out, with the Laporte injury, he might see some time at centre-back as well, um, and he'll be fine there because he's played there in the past. He's comfortable there. Um, I also like the signings of young Morgan Rogers, who's a huge talent they've brought in from from West Brom, and, and Zach Steffen, the American goalkeeper from Columbus Crew, who's been sent on loan straight away, but... 
these are smart signings for the long term. Um, I think they, you know, again, with City, always clever business in terms of the sales as well. Um, you know, got decent money for Fabian Dalf, who they'd gotten probably every bit of mileage out of that they could. Got good money for Douglas Louise from Villa. I like him, but 15 million was, was a good deal for City. Uh, Manu, Manu Garcia left as well. They got like four or five million for him. So, you know, they've they've turned themselves into a point where their academy is becoming self-sufficient and it's also helping fund the transfers for uh, for attackers. Now, Pep needs to take the, oh, we can't spend the way other clubs spend, woe is me tale, put it in a box and chuck it in the ocean because it's utter garbage that nobody's buying. You've spent 200 million on fullbacks. No one's buying that you couldn't have afforded another centre-back. Um, it, it is an A. You're, you're right. It's an A. It's a smart, smart window. Um, Angelino's probably going to end this season as first-choice left-back. That's my prediction. Because I'd imagine as well. I, I just don't see Benjamin Mendy staying fit. Um, and Zinchenko's done a, a job for them, but he's not a full-back. He's a midfielder. And if he moves into midfield, he gives them another option. So... You know, it's 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 clever business. They've got a great squad. They've just they've tweaked it and added to it. Um, I think they could have, if they'd gotten a centre back in to replace Company, because I'm not sold on John Stone. So I think they needed a partner for Laporte anyway. But uh, I think that would have given them the A plus. But I think it's an A. Yeah, I, I just held back off of an A plus as well, just because of that one gap. But I mean, what a ridiculous squad they have. <laughs> <laughs> there mm. at Manchester City. Uh, now on to you, where you get to talk about Manchester United, your favorite after Everton. Um, paid really big on two center backs and a lot on a championship player who I didn't think would come good and is coming good pretty immediately. What did you make of Manchester United's window? <clears throat> I, I like, in a vacuum, I like the three players they bought in terms of what they bring and what they, how they fit. I think I think like I said on on part one, Maguire is a good defender, um, and I think next to Lindelof, who's also a good defender, that's a good partnership. Um, with Luke Shaw at left back and Wan Bissaka at right back, that's a good defence. Yeah. And if they can stay fit all season, that's obviously going to be the question mark, especially with Shaw. Then that's going to be a good defence, and that will help them. It'll be better than last year. Now, they've, they've massively overpaid, is the issue, for Wan-Bissaka and Maguire. They spent $130 million to probably get about $60 million worth of talent, and that's never ideal. Um, they had major ambition to, to bring in Milinkovic-Savic, Dybala, Bruno Fernandes, and every other player in the world. Um, but they, they're not an attraction to top players at the moment, so they've had to shop at mid-table and below kind of clubs, Leicester, Palace and Swansea. And unfortunately, because they're Man United, they get charged as if they're buying from Liverpool, Spurs and Arsenal. Um, mm. Daniel James, again, he, I, I, at the time Liverpool were linked with him, He's he's got the raw materials to be a good player. Um, I didn't think 15 million represented the ideal price, but three goals already this season. So... You know, he's he's definitely fitting in quickly. Uh, whether he can sustain it is obviously the question mark. If he can, then they'll have, they'll have gotten themselves a bargain. But um, the issue is they let Ander Herrera go. He was a very important midfielder for them, and they didn't replace him. 
they let Romelu Lukaku go. He was their main source of goals, and they haven't replaced him. Now, I know they're probably looking at Anthony Martial and going, well, you should be a number nine anyway, so let's see. And that's that's fine, that's admirable, but he hasn't proven anything yet as a number nine, so it remains to be seen whether he's capable um, over, over the course of a year of getting them enough goals. I have doubts of whether he can straight away, long-term, sure, but not not straight away. Um I also I take issue with the fact that they they seem to be allowing um, Rashford to take free kicks, even though he he's more likely to hit the corner flag than to work the goalkeeper. Did, has he Little ever scored. scored one? I think he scored one on preseason a few years ago, and that's where he got the idea that he could take them, and Weird. they have just gone with it. But every one of them is terrible. Like it's like when Kane was taking corners, just like stop yeah. it stop like at least Kane could get decent height and purchase on his corners okay. Rashford is just putting the ball into the stand he's giving fans souvenirs he'll cost him a fortune if people start sneaking their balls out of the stadium um <laughs> I like I like that they were able to loan out Alexis Sanchez but I don't like the fact that they're still paying him 180 grand a week to I'm play sure you've seen else. this but for anybody listening that did not hear this Alexis Sanchez is Manchester United's fourth highest earner with his protracted wages. Mm. Like playing for Inter, he's still their fourth highest paid it's player. Crazy. It's crazy. Um they 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 got rid of Chris Smalling. I can only imagine Phil Jones is currently seeking counseling because he's lonely and doesn't know what to do with himself of a day. With no smalling. Um, but yeah, it was a good it's a good move to move Chris Smalling on. He'd been there far too long. Um and he wasn't up to scratch. But all in all, I think I, I kind of like with Arsenal, I think what they've done is okay, is, is decent. They, they've overpaid a lot worse than Arsenal did, but they just haven't done nearly enough. So for me, it's a C plus. Um, it's it's an A for effort because I think they they really did have ambitions to go and do big things. Um, I think they would have liked to have sold Paul Pogba, but nobody was willing to pay the price they wanted, which I think was 120, 130 million. Um, if it was me, I'd probably cut bait if I could get 85 to 90 in the region of what I paid for him and, and move him on and just be done with the whole circus that comes with him. But they've gone a different route. I don't think they're going to get top four because I think their manager's a championship manager at best. Um, and I think he'll be there. I think he'll get sacked before Christmas, but I think he'll be there long enough to ensure that there's too big a, too big a gap for them to make up. Um, by the time whoever takes over, year. yeah, pretty much. So uh, I'll give them a C plus, but uh, must do better would be my note on that. Yeah, I agree. They've left themselves really short in attacking areas, which is interesting. I don't know if you saw the quote. I, I'm going to paraphrase because I don't remember it exactly. But he, uh, Solskjaer was asked about his attacking depth, and he was like, "We have loads of attacking depth. We have Lingard, and um, I forget the." Young striker Mason Greenwood. Mason Greenwood, and you're like, yo, <laughs> if if we're calling that depth, I don't know, man. Um, but anyway, yeah, I've I've given them a D. I think they needed to spend enough to get themselves back into the top four, and they did the spending part. They didn't do the enough part. Um, so I've I've given them a D, and I think they're clearly the sixth best of the big six. And if Leicester are going to catch anybody or any of those other teams that are contending. Um, I think it'll Manche- be Manchester United to get caught up. Coming next to Newcastle, 
Um, for me, player-wise, this was a pretty good window for Newcastle, but it's a tough one to grade considering it came at the cost of Rafa Benitez. Mm. Um, it's just really, really odd what's happened there. On the pitch, Dave, I'm pretty sure you'll agree with me, they are inarguably more talented this season than last. Yeah. Hard to argue that in any meaningful way. But they've spent a lot of money on players with question marks. Now, I understand with Newcastle, they didn't have a manager when they signed two of these players. So, question marks, I'm sure they'll take. Question marks with upside, we'll take it. But they spent a lot on players with these kind of like red flags here or there. Like, you look at um, Joel Linton. Is he talented? Yes. Was $40 million too much for a player that scored seven goals last year? Yeah. Yeah. Probably, right? Would you have preferred, and I asked Jake this, and you can probably guess his answer, I asked, would you rather have $40 million Joel Linton and Steve Bruce or the $15 million Steve Rondon, or Steve Rondon, <laughs> but Rondon and uh, Rafa and, you know. Is it... Oh, it's, it's column B all day. Right. It's pretty um, easy. But When you see West Ham getting Seb Haller for only for $5 four... million more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. It's rough. But, you know, that's more established. Pellegrini more established that... Anyway, we, we can talk about that all day. You bring in Jetro Willems. They've been linked to him for years. He hasn't lived up to his potential because of injuries, so that's what's holding him back. Sam Maximin is a, a, a crazy, crazy human being. Bit of a handful management-wise, but the talent is there. I mean, what he can offer is pace and finishing. If you're going to have two skill sets, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty good two to have. <laughs> Just not really easy to deal with all the time. Um so yeah, these are these are gambles, and if all three come up aces, they're top ten easy pushing upwards. If they don't, they're somewhere in the bottom half. And I'm I do not think you can exclude them as relegation candidates, even with these purchases because of the manager swap. I don't think it will yeah. happen, but if you think that they're going to be contending for tenth more than they're contending for seventeenth, I think you're probably going to be mistaken. <laughs> as far as exiting players, Iose Perez is the only meaningful one that leaves. Um, they got more than what he was worth in a vacuum, mm. but as a team, the fact that Miguel Almiron has not taken the, contr- the, the control and creative reins yet is concerning. Like, mm. if they go down, Perez for whatever he went, 30, 40, somewhere in there, is a bad deal for Newcastle because of what he was providing. If you're counting safety as that, so count that forty million against what you'd lose if you go down. If Elmoron steps up, which I still believe he will, although I've been a little weirded out by how long it's taken, um, then they'll be fine. But you know, it, it's it's a it's a weird window. the The upside of these players is to an extent limitless. The trio, but mm. whether or not they get there or not, you know, time will tell. I suppose. Um, for me, it's a B minus. Yeah, and it's a B minus for me. I like the signing of Emil Kraft, the young um, Swedish right back as well, for five, six million. I think it's it's a clever deal. Um, <clears throat> Jolington, I like. I like his all round game, but as you said, just the goals just aren't really there with him. And they might come for sure. Playing in, in England might suit him a bit more. Um, I think physically and and skill set wise, he's perfect for the Premier League. If he can find consistent goals, then. He might make that forty million look good value. Um, Saint Maximin, I, he's he, he's he's a psychopath, um, and he's injury prone. That's the concern. But the talent is clearly there, and if it works, he will be lightning in a bottle for sure. They brought back Andy Carroll, which is you know nice, I suppose. But will he ever be fit? Who knows? He seems to just have come home to go on on you know have fun with his friends. 
Um, I, I, I like what they've done player-wise. I think the big one is is Almiron and whether he can, you know, I know he came in January, whether that's six months he had to adapt, whether he can really settle in and make this his team. Um, if he can, they'll be absolutely fine. In fact, they'll be quite good. But like you say, a Steve Bruce managed team, it's very hard to see them anywhere over 14th, 15th. Um, and there's always the possibility of relegation because he's not a good manager. And that's as bad an appointment as they could have made. Um, I thought we did badly when we replaced Rafa with Roy Hodgson. Uh, and this is worse than that because Steve Bruce is measurably worse than Roy Hodgson as a manager. Um, so I don't know what they were thinking. I, I assume he was cheap. That's all I can I can surmise. But um, yeah, uh, same grade as you. Um, be interesting to see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anything could happen with that Newcastle team. Um, next, we'll head to Norwich. Um, I forget how many players they signed in total. It was a lot, and a lot of them have not played yet, which is interesting. Mm. Norwich very much opting to go with the players that played for them last year, and it has gone fairly well, although the points wouldn't tell you that tale, but the performances, and of course the goals from Pookie might. What did you make of this Norwich summer? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to be too critical because they operate on a tiny, tiny budget. Um, I like the loan signings. I like Patrick Roberts. I think he's very talented. I think if he can get himself established in the team, especially on the right side of the three behind Pookie, then Max Ahrens, who I just will throw it out, I expect to be a Spurs player this time next year. Um, mm-hmm. And him could be very much, uh, you know, very fun to watch. Um, I like Ralph Fer- Farman. I think he's a, a good goalkeeper who'll be good competition for Tim Krul. And um, Ibrahim Amadou, he's a good player again. So, you know, it, it's a clever pickup as proper steel to add to that midfield, which is the one thing I think they've lacked in the game so far. But their permanent signings, I mean, you know, Ad's head, he's not a Premier League player yet, but he's one they'll develop. That And, and it, it's, it's the type of window that makes me think they've come up expecting to go back down and they're going to use this and the parachute payment they'll get if they go down to come back up again a much stronger unit, which is probably the best way for them to build, um, have a real long-term plan. And I think, isn't it Baxter's the name of the... Is it... Was it? I can't think of the guy's name. I think it's Baxter's the name of the director of football there. Mm. Um, does seem to have a real long-term plan there. I like the manager. I think he's done very well. I just think they needed a little bit more. I think they could have done with another centre-back. I think they could have done with another striker. I know they brought in Joseph Dermich from, from Gladbach on a free, but he hasn't hasn't come close to reaching the potential he showed as a young player. So I think they've left themselves a little bit short. I think they'll entertain everybody this season. I really like both full-backs. I think Aaron's is very, very good. And I think um, Jamal Lewis is a, is a good left-back. When we missed out on Lloyd Kelly, he was the one I hoped we'd go for, but we didn't for whatever reason. Um, but I, I think Norwich will go down. So for me, it's a C minus. Um, I'm only giving them a C based on the on Patrick Roberts, basically. Yeah, I'm giving them a C plus. I, I was just really stunned that they somehow managed to bring in Dermot and Farman um, as a pair. 
but like I said, they're really using either of them, which actually really reminds me a lot of uh, Brighton and Huddersfield last summer. Both bought a lot of players and then just didn't use them or integrate them quickly. <laughs> there, there is a way I can see this working out. Um, I did an article for ESPN last week about um, whether or not um, Pookie will be able to keep this up. The obvious short answer is no. He's on pace for something like 60 goals, um, which is a bit unlikely, obviously. Um, I think they just might be able to sneak it up. I like the management style. They do just keep dropping points from positions of relative strength. Um, they keep giving teams a good run out, but that, that could kind of doom them in that kind of Blackpool way where everybody's really impressed by them, but then it doesn't end up really mattering in the end. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in the C territory for them, but can totally see some of your points there. All right, now we will move on to Sheffield United. Now, Dave, I know a couple of the players, uh, I know a couple of the teams that you've mentioned, you've alluded to the fact that, you know, maybe they're just preparing to go back down with uh, Norwich and Aston Villa, but I think the team that actually applies to is Sheffield United. I think there are a lot of similarities between what Cardiff did last summer and what Sheffield United did this one. Rather than signing yeah. Premier League caliber players, they've signed fringe Premier League talent that would set themselves up very well if they were to go down. Um, staying relatively financially healthy while maintaining a slight chance of staying up pretty decent. The management and tactics are really interesting for anybody that hasn't caught them yet. I, I covered the Chelsea match at the weekend. They do some really weird stuff like center back underlaps from their back three. Um, Chelsea just seemed to have no idea what was happening. Uh, and that created a really good goal scoring chance that they didn't end up converting. But they just do some really interesting things. And I think kind of uh, to borrow baseball parlance. Um, they'll really confuse people the first time through the order. Those first 19 matches, I think they'll pick up some sneaky points, but I think people will start to figure them out towards the end of that, and then maybe they'll drop a lot more in the second half. Um, but the team itself is not why they have a chance at staying up. The management and tactics are, um, this summer, not very impressive. The most interesting uh, one for me was probably Ravel Morrison, just because what if he comes good? <laughs> But yeah. there's there's no sign that that's going to happen. That's no. just what his actual upside was at one point and whether or not he could actually get there. Um, it would be very exciting to see him break into the side and just see him in the Premier League, much like Adama Traore. Didn't end up being anything, but just a fun player to watch and, and see if they can turn it around. <laughs> Jagielka was an imp- interesting uh, addition. The idea was that he'd help stabilize the defense. Well, turns out he's not one of their three best center backs, and they play with three of them every match. So that was interesting, and I'm sure not what he expected when he signed on. Um, then the, the the big question for me is Ollie McBurney. They spent a lot of money on him, was very good for Swansea last year, actually played fairly well with Daniel James, who we mentioned earlier with United. Uh. I just don't think he's a Premier League striker. And it is early in his career to claim that. That's just not the vibe I get off of him, um, at this stage, at least. Um, but anyway, on the whole, if their intent was to bring in Premier League talent, they did not. But I'm not really sure that was their goal, so I'm going C-. minus. Yeah, I'm kind of the same. I'm, I'm a C on them. Um, I, I like Callum Robinson, the the winger they brought in from Preston. I'm a little bit biased. Yeah, I'm a little bit biased towards him, but I think he's a decent player. Again, I think he's probably a high-end championship player, though, maybe rather than a Premier League player at this point. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you on McBurney. I mean, 20 million for a guy who, 
just I think it's a little bit of a step too far at this point. And to sit your two um, leading scores from last year in Sharp and McGoldrick. Like I Yeah. And you just brought up a different championship player? I, I don't know. It just struck me as odd. And obviously they spent a lot of money on Massette as well from from Bournemouth. So they spent thirty million on those two. Um I just don't know that there's enough Premier League goals in, in the pair of them. I think McBurney will prove to be a good signing over the duration of his contract. But I do think, like you, I think that will include a spell back in the championship for them. Um, I like the goalkeeper, Dean Henderson. They've kept him on loan from United. And I do like Mo Besic. I think he's he'll bring a bit of bot into the midfield area for them, which they've got plenty of anyway, but he's just an extra little bit. Yeah, I, I think that... Like, I think the Cardiff model is one a lot of clubs will follow, where they come up and rather than do Fulham, they will basically look to consolidate, to build on what they already have, to make signings who won't demand to go or they won't be able to afford to keep should they go back down. And it will allow them to begin their first season back in the championship in a very strong position. Um, so for the long term, I think it does make a bit of sense, the window that they've had. Like Jaggy Alka, I think it's a little bit more of a, a nostalgia thing than anything else. If anyone had any idea going into this season that Phil Jaggy Alka was a Premier League calibre centre-back at this point when he's aged 83... Um, I, I think they need to give the head a shake. I think he's just been brought back because he came through there. He was very, very good for them for a number of years. And he will be a, a good presence in their dressing room. Um, I, like you, I really like Chris Wilder. I, I'm really interested to see how he continues to be creative with his tactics. Like you say, in the second part of the season when everybody's already had a look at them and there's a lot more footage to watch as well of them in the Premier League. I think he's going to have to get extra creative and, and really start coming up with a whole new game plans. Um, but if they stay up, it will be him and him alone that's done that. Right, not this summer. Yeah, that's that's kind no. of what I came to as well. All right, we'll come to you next with Southampton. A pretty interesting window. Uh, two players, Dnepro and Danso, both already getting significant minutes, although one of them just got a red card. Uh, but I, I, I think I kind of like this one, not to bury the lead too much. What did you make of it? Yeah, no, I like it as well. Um, I, the funny thing is, the first player they signed was Che Adams, who came through the academy at... Sheffield United, who we've just mm. talked about, and I actually think he would have been a better signing for them the than McBurney. Ali McBurney. Yeah, um, I like Che Adams. I think he's a good player. Jennifer's very, very talented. I think he will develop into a good player for them. I don't, I don't like the Danny Ings deal. I didn't like it last year. I don't like it this year. Twenty million for a guy who's maybe going to get you six or seven goals, and I don't think he's actually. I don't. I think if I'm naming their best eleven. I don't think he's in it. Um, and Danzo, he's he's going to be good at some point. It's just not now. He's a year or two, I think, away from being ready. Now, I spoke to Sam Ty, who covers Southampton, and he said the plan seems to be that he he's the one they're looking at building their defence around long term, um, which is, is a bit little bit odd to me. 
a little a bit little concerning me. at this stage as well. Yeah, like I mean, for like, me, didn't they try this as well with Wesley Hoyt that just left? Yeah, like you I did just this let already because it, 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 that's it. It hasn't worked. Um, like I, I really like Bednarak, and I think if you're going to build around one of your defenders, build around him. Um, the one thing I do like that they've done, Kev, is I like that they've brought Cedric and Buffal back, yeah. um, having in been from, on loan. In from the cold, as they say. Yeah, and, and they're going to give them a chance. I mean, Buffal has made a start already this season, and I think he'll make more. I think I think he's got the potential to be a real game-changer for them. He's very, very talented. Um, it's a shame that Mario Lamina has decided to sabotage his own career Ugh. because he could have been a big addition to them in midfield. Um, instead, he's off to Galatasaray to form what will be a horrendous to play against midfield. <laughs> him and him and Stephen and Zanzi will be yes. absolutely horrible to play against. Um, they'll they'll be great for them. The Galatasaray fans should be delighted to get both of them on loan. That's tremendous business for them. Um, but Wesley Hoyt, obviously, you mentioned him. He he's gone on loan to Royal Antwerp. Given they spent fifteen million on him, and he's now gone on loan to Royal Antwerp, I think that shows that they went askew for a couple of years in terms of the transfers. For those who don't um, remember, he was supposed to be both the international and club replacement for Van Dyke, which he was not. He was not and never will be. Um, All in all, I think it's a decent window. I think I think they've done well, but again, I just as with a couple of other clubs, I think they needed a little bit more. Um, I think they could have done with another centre back. I, I know they brought in Danzo, but I think one more wouldn't have done them any harm. Um, and I, I just think maybe one more in midfield as well. Like I, I like Romeo, I like Ward Prowse, I like Heusberg. But after that, I don't really like any of their midfielders. And I do think you need four decent midfielders in this league um, to really be able to sustain a good level across the year. But all in all, with the money that they had available, um, I'll give them a B minus. It would be higher if it wasn't for Danny Ings. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Yeah, I've given them a B. I, I actually really, really like this window. I, I agree with you on, on Ings, and he did have a shocking mess against Liverpool that I'm sure you know. Um, pushed it yeah. just right at the post, and it was just on a freaking plate. <laughs> but then scores via a gift later. But yeah, I think Che Adams should be the forward moving <laughs> forward. Gosh, I didn't mean to do that. Um, but anyway, uh, I think Redmond is continuing to develop on the low. Um, I, I feel like a lot of people haven't really noticed that he's finally turning into a decent player. Kind of Andrasi, 
a little, a little, a little Townsend to him, like finally putting the pieces mm. together way after the hype existed. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I really didn't mind this window. I've given it a B, um, but totally understand some of those, uh, some of those hangups that you have. And, and like you said before, it's it, it's a little bit more the deals they didn't do than the ones that they did. Um, and yeah, just really unfortunate with Mario Lamina. Um, who two years ago Tottenham were interested in. I thought he would have made yeah. an excellent replacement for Guy at um, Everton. Um, mm. Eventually, Decore will leave Watford. Would have been a fit there, but, you know, whatever. If he wants to leave, he wants to leave. Also, I feel like the one super hidden thing in all of this is former England international goalkeeper Fraser Forrester sneaks out the back door to Celtic. Like, at one point, a on-track-to-be-elite goalkeeper and then it just went away and i think it's just one of the testaments to that position of once your confidence goes it's very hard to win it back and he's just kind of another on that heap of really talented really athletic goalkeepers that you know let a few too many easy goals in and then the confidence gets shot and then you just don't really recover from there we will address tottenham hotspur so you guys might want to get comfy Grab yourself a drink. We're going to be here for a while. Um, After a season in which Tottenham signed a grand total of zero players, Tottenham very much came out swinging in the build-up to 2019-20. Within the first week of the transfer window being open, Tottenham signed three players, one of whom will play for the senior team. Uh, Kenny Otete, obviously a youth player. Jack Clark. Up until the day of the deal was said that we were rejecting a potential loan-back option and then Bielsa asked Pochettino... For those that don't know about their relationship, there are plenty of excellent books about it. I really wish I could their remember. Their father and son, basically. <laughs> basically. Uh, what, what, what's the guy's name? He was awesome back at EPL Index. He came on our show a few times. Jed Davies? Jed Davies, yeah. Has a book on yeah. Bielsa that you should absolutely read. Should I might even read that. Yeah, I might even throw the link in the description of this podcast. That's how much you should read it. And also, I feel bad for not remembering the name. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, Bielsa was like, hey, Pochettino, the person that I found with skinny-ass legs that I turned into an Argentinian international and then look at him now. Um, <laughs> yeah, he said, can I have him back? And Poch said, fine. And then to thank him, Bielsa never plays Jack Clark at all. But <laughs> that's a whole different thing. Um, but anyway, obviously the big name to start the season was Tangi and Dombele. A perfect signing in terms of squad age, dynamics, also how he just plays on the pitch. I mean, this is a player that steps into Tottenham's midfield as both the best passer and the best dribbler, and the best at interceptions. Day one, he walks into the team as the best at all of those things. <laughs> Such a unique player. Um, I've referenced it before. It's like if Musa Dembele had ever heard of creativity. Um, <laughs> I will say, though, and I mentioned this earlier, um, ooh, where was that? Somewhere. Um, that people are conflating the physicality of Dembele and Ndombele. Not so much the case. Ndombele, shorter, lighter, has to use a lot more guile to keep possession of the ball, which he does, but he just does it in a way more heavily technique-driven way than Musa Dembele, who could just squat on the ball and good luck. Um, but a fantastic signing, so over the moon about it. Did it cost us other deals like Tielemans, like we mentioned earlier? Yes. But this was the signing that Pochettino wanted. Daniel Levy gave Pochettino all of the Champions League winnings and said... You get one. Whoever you want, that's your guy. And Tangi Ndombele was that guy. <laughs> if you saw the first two matches of Tottenham uh, this season, 
he kind of came and went. Obviously, some growing pains there at the start of the Premier League season. But at the second half of the SM Villa match, especially after he scored his goal, he was absolutely sublime. Was really good against City as well. Excuse me. Um, then obviously injured, misses the Arsenal match. Obviously a big frustration there. But he is clearly what we needed in midfield. And as you mentioned in part one, if he had been available for that Arsenal match, we very much would have both held on for the win and probably converted a couple more chances if it was him running onto the ball rather than Sissoko. <laughs> then we kind of hit a quiet spell. We knew we were interested in Young, you know, since 2015. Um, and we knew Lacelso was also a player that we were interested in. But it takes until deadline day, but then both of them come in. Sessegnon finally lands at the club over four years of interest from us. Um, Dave, not really sure how you feel about that. We can kind of loop back in at the end of that. Obviously, the two options for a very long time were Liverpool and Tottenham. Sessegnon was even in the new training ground two years ago to discuss a potential deal um, that ended up falling through. But he finally comes in, addresses the weaknesses in attack down the left and also in defense. Not really sure where he'll stick long term, but I think where you'll see him the most this year is in attack, especially when Sun has to play up front, um, because that was the issue, was when Sun was playing up front, who do you play on the left? Um, so he comes in and fills that role. As for Lacelso, his ability to play centrally or in attacking midfield is crucial. I think it's why we opted for him over Bruno Fernandez. Really sorry about that. Bruno, who we asked to turn in a transfer request, which he did, and then we didn't offer enough money. So that's really awkward. I'm really fearing an Aubameyang-esque thing where we screwed over Aubameyang before he went to Dortmund, and then he just hates us now. I really hope that doesn't happen with Bruno Fernandez and that that comes back to bite us. But anyway... Lis also a perfect signing, so versatile, can play in central midfield, attacking midfield, even as a false nine at times, which he did last year um, for Batiste. An incredible signing for Pochettino, who continues to employ what I have begun to refer to as post-formation tactics, <laughs> where it's just kind of like a mess of players in one place sometimes. Um, what really has struck me already about his tenure at Tottenham, and this is obviously backed up by tape and, and past performances, is just how cool he is on the ball, how calm and, and um, composed he can be. And that was super evident in the North London Derby, a match that was just insane because Martin Atkinson doesn't know how to referee a football match. But I will leave that there. <laughs> he came in and just settled everything really quickly, at least himself. Um, drew another Xhaka foul that was just shocking. Um, but very, very pleased with him. Allegedly, he's pretty far off the mark in terms of fitness, which is why we're only seeing him as a sub for now. But when he eventually starts, which I do think will happen soon, I will be very interested to see where it is because I think his best position is in a 4-3-3 as kind of the marauding one, but we don't play that way. So whether he ends up being part of a double pivot with Ndombele or where he'll play, I think Ndombele is a lock in our starting 11, to be honest with you. I think Lacelso might lose out a little bit because of that, but uh, he might just come on as a late attacking substitution the way he did the last match when Ericsson or Deli aren't up to it. Maybe he plays as a number 10 for us sometimes. Um, but the point is, is that he can play in any of them and play very well there. I think the only place where he wouldn't be as great would be in a double pivot with Ndombele, but his creativity from midfield would also be better than Winks. So, you know, these are just all improvements on the whole. As for sales... Tottenham finally managed to shift the air quotes Deadwood TM um, with Jensen and Nkudu both moving on. Jensen had a very Harry Kane-esque season in the Eredivisie before joining us, but clearly struggled to find form in the limited minutes behind the actual Harry Kane. Passing and movement is still good, like to this day, um, but just really needs to refine his confidence and finishing 
in Mexico, where he is now, I believe, from Monterey. Um, if he has to ever make it back into the Dutch national team, which I very much hope he does. Still the lack of a true nine there for the Dutch side. Uh, as for Nkudu, we brought him in because we were tired of Ng, who was an ineffective pacey winger from League 1. And then we signed Nkudu, who turned out to also be an ineffective pacey winger from League 1. Uh, he goes off to Turkey. Uh, did have a crucial assist against Palace last season, if memory serves. But on the whole, never really made an impact. The other big notable departure is Fernando Lorente. It's not here in Trippier. Get the whole hell out of here. Fernando Lorente drove us personally to the Champions League final while Harry Kane was injured. The hip goal against City. The assist for Lucas's third against Ajax. Him and Lucas can both feel very hard done by not starting in the Champions League final. If you don't start Harry Kane, you risk unsettling your star striker forever. I get why the decision was made, but... When it came time to renew contracts, we didn't offer Lorente what he was on last year. He asked for more guarantees on playing time. Obviously, we were never going to give those. Uh, so he leaves and joins Napoli. Certainly all the well wishes in the world from me. Um, it will be very hard to find somebody as willing to come off the bench for Kane, though. Um, as witnessed by us not being able to do it. And it probably being Son and Lucas who will deputize there. But obviously they do not bring just the ridiculousness that is the frame of Fernando Llorente. Um, then obviously the huge other story is that the windows are closed for Tongan, Alderweireld, and Eriksson are all Tottenham Hotspur players, all of whom just a year left on their contract. And my guess is only Jan and Toby are still here next season, but still a big deal that they're here for at least six more months. That's not how months work. Um, but anyway, losing Eriksson for free, we probably will suffer that next summer. It'll be damaging financially to lose him for nothing. I mean, imagine if Liverpool just lost Coutinho for nothing. Um, yeah. If we get Champions League football because of it, that offsets it. But that also ignores this possibility of he could have just re-signed a contract and us still made Champions League. So that's like kind of a fallow argument there. Um, it's interesting because all of the pieces are still in place that were in place for, and it's taken me a long time to get over this, Paulo Dybala. Now, Tottenham never would have had a chance to sign him if signing him wasn't so difficult. With all of the outstanding image rights stuff, with Juventus continually moving the goalposts on their valuation of him, if they want to sell him, if they don't. Clearly, there's an internal power struggle at Juventus. It's why their window was so bad, which is rare for them, <laughs> that they miss out on Icardi, they keep Dybala, they sell Keane. Just very, very odd window for them. They keep Higuain. <laughs> yeah, they keep Higuain. Yeah, just weird, weird stuff going on there. They try to get Rakitic, but they can't. It's all weird. But, allegedly, after the window shuts, Levy calls Dybala's current agent, not the one trying to screw him over for image rights, and tells him to stay put, that we'll be back in January. Now, at the time, this seemed impossible. I thought for sure there would be the Icardi swap. Dybala goes to enter. Icardi goes to Juve. Everybody's quote-unquote happy. Then, with all the Neymar stuff, Paris Saint-Germain, allegedly on deadline day, told Juventus, like, why are you stressing over all this? If Neymar goes, we'll come get Dybala. Well, then Neymar doesn't go, and then they go and get Icardi anyway, kind of taking away who they thought would be the replacement for Dybala. But the point is, <laughs> Dybala is still there. We are still interested. Does that mean we will be able to get him? It does not. But he agreed personal terms. Juventus agreed fees. Dybala and Pochettino had a conversation. I will leave that there. 
my guess is 40%. Like, I am not particularly confident. Could heal? Could the wounds heal at Juventus over the next few months? Of course they could. Could anyone offer any more money? Also, of course they could. Just there's there's just a little little part of me that thinks this is like the weird kind of crap that Tottenham pull off sometimes. Um, and as we alluded to earlier, um, when we were talking about Everton getting rid of Gilfy, if we lost Ericsson and brought in Dybala, we could play that kind of Liverpool post Coutinho uh. style, where it's just the midfield wins and creates, the forwards just all get forward. I mean, if you imagined Son, Kane, and Dybala on the counter attack, yeah. like, come on. Um, again, I'm not even 50%. I'm not 51% making it more likely, but just all the pieces are still there. Ericsson is still a market uh, is is still an asset we could get rid of. We could offer him to Juventus. I'm sure they would just want to have him on a free. We could sell him elsewhere to just recoup some of the money. We sold a lot of the devil. Like I mentioned, Wanyama still likely to go in January. We brought in the trippier money. Um, like I said, Nkudu and Jansen as well. We're saving all of the wages on Lorente, who was on 100K. So if you're wondering if the money's there, it is. Well, for the 70 that they asked us for in the summer, whether or not the price will go up remains to be seen. But that is obviously still the dream signing um, if we could somehow get it over the, the, the cross line. But anyway, getting back to reality, we may have set ourselves up for trouble with this window. We weren't able to get Ericsson, Toby, or Yan to sign new contracts. I do think Toby will sign one. I do not think Ericsson will. I think Yan will be here long-term as well. <laughs> Heading into the season with just Aurier and uh, Kyle Walker-Peters as right-backs isn't great. Um, but we signed our three primary targets this window in Ndombele, Lacelso, and Cessignon. And it's very hard to be anything other than pleased about that. The only reason anybody was frustrated is because of how close we got on Dybala and missed out. For me, it's an A-. minus. I think I just talked for 10 minutes. Dave, your thoughts. <clears throat> oh, um, yeah. So, okay. <laughs> I'm going to start with the outs, okay? Selling Kieran Trippier, good move. Getting $20 million from, very good move. Um, he was toxically bad last season. Uh, getting any kind of currency for Vincent Janssen, good move. Uh, getting, again, currency for Kevin uh, George's Kevin Nkudu, good move. Um Notable that Josh Onama and Marcus Edwards for years touted as mm-hmm. the two best players to come out of your academy in a long time. Seeing both of them depart uh, for nominal fees is quite striking. It should be mentioned how... that it's never the talented ones that come through our academy. Exactly, but it, it just shows how quickly players can you know fall from grace, especially Edwards, who there's been talk that he's got a very, very bad attitude and a very high opinion of himself. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how he does in Portugal. Um, in terms of signings, I really like the signing of Jack Clark for the long term. I think he's very talented. I don't know anything about Etete. I, I've never seen him play. Um, Endembele is the signing of the summer across all of Europe. He is an absolute one-off phenom. He's a monster. And he can be anything you want him to be. If you decide you want him to be your number 10 in the long term, you could develop him into a number 10. If you want him to be your number 6 and your holding midfielder, he could be that. If you want him to be an absolute monster box-to-box, he could absolutely be that. 
his ceiling is there, there. There is no ceiling on how good this guy can be. He's he's sensational, and to get him for fifty five million is is an absolute bargain as well. Um, I, how good he is already. I'm stunned at, at the fact that you got him for that price. He alone would make this an A. Outright. He's that good. Um, Ryan Sessegnong, 25 million is high, but the upside is massive. He's super talented. I think he ends up long-term as a, as your left-back, and I think that's where he should be. Um, I, but, but like you say, he can fill in on the left, he can cover on the right, gives good versatility, uh, good flexibility. I really like the signing, and I think you've done really well to get him. We definitely wanted him for a long time, but you've you've made the move and you've got the player, and, and massive well done on getting him because I think he's I think he's going to be fantastic. And then Giovanni Lacelso's a, a very very good player as well. He's not Endembele level, but he's the level below, and that's more than good enough. And I think long term, <clears throat> I think a midfield trio of him, Endembele, and Deli Ali is is going to be incredible. Yeah, they're all what twenty three, twenty four. Yeah, like they're not even close to their best years yet, and they're all tremendous players. I mean, Endembele and Ali, I think, are a level above Lascelles, as I said. But you know, he may have another level to go. We don't know yet. He, there's not he's not played enough in Europe. Yeah, he, he and I do think of, he could make up for that lack of elite ability with versatility. Yeah, plus with his brain, I think I think he's a super intelligent player. And I, I kind of look, look at Spurs and I think I wonder could he maybe find himself playing that holding role, not as a ball winner, but as a dictator who runs the show mm. from that deepest role, and then you let Delhi. And then Nambele go and play ahead of him. And I think that could be sensational. Yeah, any combination um, of them, really. Yeah, for sure. Uh, play them in any way you want. Um, it's an A window, Kev. Unquestionably for me, it's an A. But I think you were so, so close to it being one of the best windows anyone's ever had. If you could have got Dybala. I think he's that good. I think he's world class. And I think the midfield I've just mentioned with a front three of Dybala from the right, Kane through the middle and Son on the left would be as good as any in world football. I think it would be sensational. And I think they all fit perfectly. I think the the, the fit is ideal. Um, it would have obviously meant selling Ericsson, who's very, very good. There's no question he's a top player. But it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade all day. And the fee agreed was 70. I wonder yeah. if maybe in January, if you went back and said, look, we'll give you 50 in Ericsson. Yeah. And I know it's, I know it's selling very low on Ericsson, but with six months left on his deal, 20, 25 million might be what you get offered. And you might just yep. take it just to get off, you know, get some money from Juve could look at it as a big win. They could go, right. Well, he's a 50 million player and we're getting 50 million cash. We're getting a hundred million for Dybala who we're going to sell for 70. Look how well we've done. Yeah. You came razor close. You agreed the fee. That was probably the easy part. I didn't think you'd be able to agree terms. You did. You got him to agree to join your club. That's the hardest part of this. Getting that player right. 
to agree to join your club. To, to like wrap his head around coming to a club like Tottenham from Juventus. Exactly. He turned down Man United the week before. Yep. And he agreed to join Spurs. And that just shows where Spurs are now in the game. They're in the elite. The issue, obviously, is the image rights. But now you have, from now until January, to sort that out. Because you've already gotten the go-ahead from Juve. Go and sort that with the, the old agent. You've got five, six months to do that now. That should be Daniel Levy's primary transfer goal between now and January, is sorting out that issue over the image rights. And then everything's in place. And even if you can't get them to bite on on Ericsson, you'll you'll find a buyer for Ericsson in January. And it will be a top club. It'll be Real Madrid or somebody. A club that will want him. It'll be Madrid who are going to be in like third or fourth in January. Yeah, and that's the move he'll want. So he'll go. He won't hang around waiting for his Bosman. He'll take that move. <laughs> so that's fine. Um, in terms of the two, like, look, the other side of it is he didn't get him. So that's obviously massively disappointing for you guys. But from when the English window closed, Kev, the European window couldn't close quickly enough because of your risk of losing three key players and not being able to replace them. Um, I, I kind of think Toby goes as well. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. He's a, he's a fantastic defender, obviously, but at his age, the money he's going to want, he's only going to get worse from here. He's he's only going to go off a cliff at some point, and you don't want to be paying him 150, 160 grand a week when you can't put him on the field. Um, I kind of look at Jan and I think, you know what, I, I might be looking to move him on as well, but you can't really afford to lose both. I think the drop for Vertonghen will be slower and probably mm. less because I don't think he's he as good as Toby. As yeah. And yeah, exactly. He doesn't rely on physicality. His head is what gets him through games. He's a very intelligent player. His his brain is basically what gets Toby through games as well, if we're being honest. he He is the brain of that partnership. Toby's a very good defender, but he relies a lot on being told where to be and how what to do. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I know it means you'll have to replace Alderweireld, and that won't be easy. But you've you've proven very good at finding centre backs and and developing them. Um, you do have a hole at right back for sure, but like I said earlier, I think Max Ahrens is going to be a Spurs player long term. That's what I've heard from two people. Um, who are kind of have good information on Norwich is that that's the move he wants, and that you have made inquiries and been told he's not for sale this summer, but come back to us next year. Um, if long term, him and Sessignon are your fullbacks, and you've got that midfield that I mentioned and that attack that you could have, then Davinson and um, and Jan is a really good centre-back pair and that could develop. And then if you get a long-term replacement for Jan. My big issue with your team is your goalkeeper, though, Kev. Um, I, I just think he's too inconsistent. I think there's too many errors creeping into his game. Mm. And uh, I, again, like he's he's at the age where he's starting to decline. And if he has a rapid decline, which he might because he's one of those kind of smaller reflex-based goalkeepers. He's not like a big unit who can kind of rely on his size yeah, to carry him through. Yeah, 6'1 don't know. 6'1 and, and, and light-framed as well. Like, Iker Casillas fell off a cliff um, around the same age. Barthez fell off a cliff around the same age. 
um, it, it could be it could be a worry. Um, so I mean, you've done you've had a great summer. It could have been an incredible summer, but I do think in the next couple of years you've got some rebuilding to do. Now the plus side for Spurs is Delhi, Endembele, Lacelso, Kane, and Son all locked into long term contracts. Yep. All what? What's Son? Twenty six? Is he twenty seven? Yeah, I think so. so. He's probably the oldest of that group. With Kane, I so, think they're about the same age. And <laughs> and it should be noted not to cut you off, um, but Kane loyal because of being a you know hometown well, kid, your own. son loyal because we were willing to take a gamble on him despite his military duty. So uh, you, mm. people might be questioning whether or not those two will stick around for a while. I'm still not sure Kane retires as a Tottenham player. Um, but both of them have affiliations deeper than people may realize. Yeah, for sure. I, I look. The thing is, I think Harry Kane's goal scoring prices him out of a move away from Spurs. Because how many how many teams play with a traditional number nine in the style of Harry Kane yeah. that can afford to pay what's likely going to be somewhere in the hundred and fifty million pound range? Yeah. I mean, there's only a handful of clubs that can afford that kind of fee anyway. United are probably the one, and that's a step down for him. It is now, yeah. You know, so, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, Cessnion, if you get Max Ahrens, then all of a sudden, and and if you land Dybala, my head might explode, but that will be eight of your first 11 locked in. Davinson, if he gets back on track and remembers how good he can be, can be nine then it is only really like if you get Aaron's, obviously, I'm including Aaron's in this. You only need a goalkeeper and a centre back. You're in really good shape, I have to say. I think you're nailed on to be top four this year and next year. But I still think, I think there's, there's work to be done to get above that. But look, you'd be real contenders in the Champions League again this year. I just think Poch. I think he's made some questionable decisions over the last eight, nine months in mm-hmm. terms of his, his on-field stuff. There's a lot of rumours starting to swirl that maybe he's considering his future. Those need to be addressed and squashed. But it's an A window, 100% an A window. Well, very kind words from you indeed. Uh, we'll kind of cruise quickly through the rest of these. Uh, we'll go next with Watford. Uh, what did you make of their window? I personally thought, hey, look, they finally signed a centre-back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that that's the one big takeaway. Watford signed a centre-back. Um, now, he kind of fits with the centre-backs they did have um, in not being all that good. But, look, <laughs> the, the the big exciting ones for them, Ishmael Asar is, a, is a great deal, great price, huge talent. Long-term, him, Gray Dulafeu, it's not bad. And don't forget Joe Pedro to arrive in January, the young mm. Brazilian who, if he's as good as the last Brazilian they brought in, um, they'll be in good form. So I, I, I like what they've done. Again, like a bunch of others, I think they needed to do more. Um, I don't like that they, I'm not sure what the right phrasing is, but they, they gave up on uh, the young Belgian, is it Luca Bacchio? The young Belgian yeah. attacker. I really thought he was going to be one that they'd bring it bring back in after a loan spell, and, and let him have a running. Him and Sarri, either side of a striker, could have been good. Um, 
I think they'll obviously be fine. I think they'll be comfortable in mid-table, um, but just a little bit more. I'll, I'll give them a B minus because I, I really like the signing of Sar, and I think getting Joe Pedro on a, a you know pre-deal to bring him in January is smart business. Um, they, they'll be they'll be good. They will. They'll be good. Just as they always are. Yeah, I've given them a C because like, are they going to finish any higher than they would have anyway? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Just uh, they. A lot of clubs would love to be as boring a Premier League team as Watford are. Not in terms of play style, but just in terms of like, yeah. are they going to finish somewhere between 8th and 12th? Yep. Re-rack it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So that, that lands at a C for me. Um, next up is West Ham United. And, and make no mistake, this was a terrific window for West Ham. Uh, our concern in January was that them refusing to sell Arnautovic would cost them Maxi Gomez. Which it did. But don't worry, they somehow signed Seb Haller. I don't know how. Witchcraft? That's my guess. Um, but he was literally handcrafted for the Premier League in terms of his size-agility combo. A great finisher. Imagine what Aston Villa think Wesley is. Um, or what Newcastle think they have in Joelinton. Mm. Like, Seb Haller is a fantastic striker. And for those that remember, the argument was Jansen versus Haller that summer. Of which one will be better? It was this one, <laughs> to be this quite, guy. to be quite honest. I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong from from your perspective, but for me, Haller is a Champions League level talent. As oh, 100%. is right, as is Fornals, who they somehow yeah. managed to lure to London Stadium away from Villarreal. Like these two players are amazing. The latter, um, Fornals, was fantastic for Villarreal last season and should drastically improve West Ham in the middle of the park or on the wing. Or in the final third, because he's another one of those kind of hybrid guys that just improves you wherever he plays. Um, just a, a incredible signing, those two. I am not really convinced by the rest of these signings, particular Ajeti. Ajeti? Just mm, kind of like um, a foreign McBurney, if you will. Just not particularly convinced. But they had to bring in somebody else, especially since, you know, Carol's gone, Chicharito's gone. Um, so they just needed another forward. Oh, and Arnautovic, obviously. But Lucas Perez. Lucas Perez. Jesus Christ, they had so many strikers. Um, but uh, anyway, Haller and Fornals on their own make this an incredible business for them. And both of them would start for like 18 Premier League sides. And yeah. I feel like that's being super underreported, just how good these two players are and can be. Uh, in terms of exits, they did well in shifting out players, as we mentioned. Carol, Chicharito, Arnautovic, you mentioned uh, Lucas Perez. They also get rid of Nasri, Obiang, and Adrian. Uh, you, of course, getting the latter. Um, saving a lot of money on wages with all those players. And they still have, you know, a lot of options left. There, There is still talent left in the tank of a lot of the outgoing players. But this feels like some real addition by subtraction by Manuel Pellegrini. Um, I think they probably could have used another true central midfielder. Um, to go alongside, um, oh, wait, oh, no, Declan Rice. Rice. Right. Um, that might be where Fornals ends up landing. If Lanzini is a- ever able to really recover his form, then obviously you have Yarmolenko the one side and uh, Felipe Anderson the other. So that might be where Fornals lands. I don't think that's his best position, but he's, like I said, he's pretty good everywhere. Um, so a-, a true central midfielder I would have liked. Um, not liked at all. I really don't like West Ham that much. But for them, they would have liked another true central midfielder or maybe another center back. Not super convinced by their offerings. But this is a very good side now. This is a Europa League side 
Whether they can challenge yeah. to get one of those spots in England remains <clears throat> to be seen. But this was an excellent window, uh, and they have an excellent chance of challenging up the table. I've given them an A. Yeah, I've got I've got them at A minus. Um, love the two big signings. Love for Niles. The only two Premier League clubs he doesn't start for are Spurs and City. He starts for us in the midfield. Oh, three. interesting. Without doubt, I think he starts for us as that attacking midfielder. Um, I, I'd much like I, I much prefer him to say Danny Ceballos that Arsenal got. Um, yes. I think he's much more suited to the Premier League as well. <clears throat> I think you add him and Haller to Felipe uh, Anderson. That's three players that they had no business going and getting, and they went and got them all. Um, I really like how ambitious West Ham have been over the last couple of years. I think they needed. Uh, I think they needed more, which is why I've gone for A minus. Um, like you say, another midfielder, maybe a schemer in midfield, someone that could have put his foot on the ball and, and dictated things and allowed Fernandes to play that bit further forward. Um, I think they need another centre back. I really like Issa Diop. I think they need someone to go with him. I'm not overly sold on Balbuena. I'm not massive. I'm not a massive fan of any of their fullbacks, but I think they've enough yeah. serviceable guys to get them through a season. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I've never been a fan of uh, Fabianski. I've never ever been a fan of Fabianski. <laughs> he's um, he's just a bit. He's a basic goalkeeper who's a good shot stopper, which is like the bare minimum you need from a goalkeeper. He's not good at anything else. Um, but he, you know, whatever. I, I think they're slowly building a good team. <clears throat> I think they have in Diop, Rice, Fornals, Haller, and and Felipe Anderson five players that you know I would class as been good or very good. Um, I think Yarmolenko is potentially good if he can get himself back to his best, but he's coming off a torn Achilles as well, so we'll see how long that takes. Um, yeah, it's like it's it's good to see another club in that mid table going and being really ambitious and bringing really good players to the Premier League. It's it's teams like this buying Seb Haller that will will make the Premier League what we've been told it is for years, which is the best league in the world. If if West Ham have Haller and Fornals and Felipe Anderson, then it is trending in the right it is trending in the right direction. So it's an A minus for me. Um, I do think though that next summer they might. They might be waving goodbye to potentially Diop Rice hmm. and maybe Haller if he has a great season. Yeah, yeah. Some of these players might be not there very long, but much like Leicester, I mean, if they're going to be good enough to draw the eyes of other clubs, that means they're performing for you. So uh, that's really a win-win hmm. situation there. All right, and we will wrap up with Wolves with you. Obviously, they had just an absurd year uh, last year, knocking off literally all four of the European finalists <laughs> throughout the season in different yeah. competitions. Uh, they obviously hold on to some key players from last year, Raul Jimenez. Dundonker didn't really get as much of a chance as I would have expected. And then they just fill the rest of their team with Portuguese players. So I'll let you talk about that. Yeah, so obviously Jimenez and, <clears throat> and Dundonker were done in advance. And Jimenez was so important to them last year. He's, he's a very, very good player. Like you say, Dundonker didn't get many opportunities last year. But has started this season well, seems to have established himself as first choice in that midfield. And I, I think long term, him and Neves can be very, very good together. Um, I kind of expected them to do a bit more beyond that. I mean, they brought in um, Catrone from Milan. 
and then a bunch of young players, and they brought in Jesus Vallejo on loan, who I really like, but I still think they needed more, Kev. I, I mean, their defence is still the defence that it was last year. Willie Bolly and Connor Cody are both dreadful. Um, and I, is it, I can't even think of the guy's name that starts in their back three. He's not good either. Um, they've got good options on the flanks. They've got good options in midfield. <clears throat> they now have very good options up front. Mm-hmm. But I just think that... And they've got a good goalkeeper. That back three, they're all poor. Jesus Vallejo's an upgrade on all of them, but he can only be an upgrade on one of them. I think they needed at least one more centre-back. Do you think they might drop Dendonker back there? I would. I would play him in the middle of the back three and play Vallejo on the right of it. Um, the problem is you still end up with Willy Bolly in the team, but I think he's the best of a bad bunch. Um, and I think like you could go with, say, Neves... Sice and Matinho as your midfield three and be more than happy with that. And they also have young uh, Callum Gibbs-White, who's a big, big talent for them. So that's what I would do. I, I would play Dendonker in the middle of that back three, but it remains to be seen whether um, whether they go that direction. I think it's... I think because Catrone is a very good signing and I think Vallejo is a very good signing on loan, I think it's a B, but... You could talk me into an A if you want to count Jimenez and Dendonker because I, I just think they're that good. Um, and even though, as I said, they, I think they needed more, those four signings for a club like Wolves, that's really, really smart, especially when you consider they they kept Ruben Neves and that has to be, that's goal A. At the it start never seemed like they wouldn't. That's what was crazy those, to me. They made it very, very clear. Do not come bidding for this kid. You will not be able to get him. And to their credit, he made no noises at all. He seems very, very happy there. So that's obviously a sign that things are going well for them. Now, I will say, I kind of think they might get Burnley syndrome this year, where the Europa League run knocks the crap out of them and they struggle in the league for the first few months. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a, a B plus A minus window, but that doesn't mean that they will perform the way they did last year. That was just so improbable that the only direction really is down, um, which is why I think everybody's looking at Leicester, Everton, West Ham as the team's really challenging for Europa League spots next year, while it was obviously Wolves that got it last year coming into this one, and they have qualified for the Europa League formally, uh, unlike Burnley last season. But totally agree with your grade and your reasoning that, you know, just because they had a really good window again does not mean they will match what they did last year, which was just insane. Um, but we will wrap up there. Just a little bit over two and a half hours of your lives gone listening to this. Um, but we're certainly glad that you did. Uh, we certainly enjoyed doing it and speaking with each other, of course. But Dave, if they want to hear more of you, where can they do so? Uh, all on Anfield Index and Anfield Index Pro. Um, just all... All Liverpool stuff, really. Um, so if that's your thing, do check it out. Kenny Dog Leash. Um, and of course, if, if you want to pay me to do any other podcasts, I'm always available. <laughs> so, you know, just drop Kev a line. Kev will let me know. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, that's how I roll these days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically Dave's agent uh, and one of the, like, 12 people that's allowed to tweet at him. So 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna go through that process. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. I still write fantasy for uh, ESPN as well as covering live matches for Omnisport, which pushes out through all kinds of clients. Um, so if you're interested in any of that, be sure to check that out. Dave, an absolute pleasure speaking with you. Always love doing these shows with you. Uh, we only really had the one disagreement, which was on Brighton, but uh, <laughs> we tend to think the same. So it's nice hearing my opinions, but with a cooler accent. <laughs> but really appreciate you coming on, and I'm sure we'll speak soon. No problem. Thanks a million. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.